to the Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge, brought to you by the world's leading underground construction equipment company, Ditch Witch. Proud to support the sports you love. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm here with the host of Bass Edge Television, Aaron Martin. Good morning, Aaron. Hey, good morning, Steve. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are certainly far fewer leaves on the trees than last <laughs> week. But you know what? At least it is dry. And, you know, speaking of that, Mark Lassane will be calling in to talk about falling water. And a little bit later, we're going to be answering a listener question sent in from our international audience. That's excellent. Let's get to it. Get her like that one, boy. Good job. I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge with bass fishing, buddy. Oh, did, did you see yes, that? Yes, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> Watch for the fish to pace the bait. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. That's full contact fishing right Man. there. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Well, Aaron, I can't believe it's already November, and, and I was all fired up about all the fall fishing I was going to do, and somehow it just seemed to, seemed to slip by, but uh, I guess at least it's good that you got to fish some while I stayed inside and did all the work. Well, that is true, but hey, man, you were the one that volunteered to make the tablecloths for the fall festival at church, and, <laughs> and besides, I don't, you know, I don't even know how to sew. No, <laughs> you, you just don't like November because you're burning. Hey, man, if you want a job done right, do it yourself, you know. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's I'm, I'm glad somebody, uh, you know, took the initiative. But, no, the real reason why you don't like November is because of your birthday is this month. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you've been working out and trying to get in shape to blow out that many candles. Oh, 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 I tell you what, I'm not too old. To, well, never mind. Never mind. I won't go there. I can't say that here. But no, seriously, nasty insult aside, uh, I have to admit I've been a little bit of a fair weather fisherman this month. Uh, the weather's just been so daggum miserable in October that I didn't just didn't venture out, and and I always regret that after the fact because. Uh, Let's face it, there's always some fish to catch, and you just have to show a little perseverance. Boy, you said it right there. Perseverance, it is so important in fishing. And, you know, the very definition itself is just the, the kind of the continued action, I guess, Steve, or the, or the belief that, you know, usually over a long period of time, uh, and despite any difficulties or setbacks, and one thing that really comes to mind, and you're going to love this because it comes from your beloved, you know, Nick Saban, and he has a quote <laughs> that, yeah, there you go, you know, his famous words are, worry about what you are doing, not how you are doing it. Oh, man, that is, you know, that's so true, because, you know, uh, young fishermen don't benefit from, uh, the experience that you and I have had so many times where we've had a lousy morning and then all of a sudden in the afternoon we either figured it out or the fish decided to cooperate and just made a great day out of nothing. Well, and I think too often, Steve, that we underestimate how, the or I should say, the impact would be a better choice that our thoughts have on our actions. You know, they really do work together. And I always go back to kind of referring to the fact that fishing or sports or even life for that matter, you know, it's an experience. And the contrast that we encounter, you know, maybe it's the fish not biting, is really what allows us to enjoy um, when they are. And, and being told no time and time again for a business deal or practicing day in, day out on the field, you know, makes that experience of success even more rewarding. 
Well, that's just so true. And and I think, you know, there's a mindset, you know, uh, our own Dr. Jay McNamara has talked time and time again on this podcast and our show about mental toughness. And, and, and I think a good, a good approach to that is to just try to get into that mindset of, like you just said, worry what you're doing and not how you're doing. And, uh, and just know that each cast you make could be the one. And it's happened. How many times has it happened to you where, you know, you just, it looked lousy, and a lot of people will say, ah, this ain't happening, let's go to the house. And it might have been two casts after that that they found the clue that would have made their afternoon great. Well, and, and let's face it, part of the fish of dealing with wild animals, um, there are some things that we absolutely cannot control. But what we can control is being prepared, being ready. When that moment does change, when those fish decide to move up or turn on, as we like to say, you know, and that is why what you referred to with Dr. Jay McNamara, you know, the in the zone portion, um, it is hard to explain what that means. And I think quantifying that, um, you know, is kind of like a dog chasing its tail. But I think the easy way to look at it is it comes down to really just following that instinct and that intuition. Because quite honestly, confidence, you know, making decisions on the water, that is ultimately, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then it's pointless. Well, and part of that whole perseverance uh, formula is concentration. And let's face it, how many times also have we just sort of drifted off and sort of lost interest and maybe lost a little confidence, and when we got that bite, we weren't concentrating, and we didn't get that hook set like we knew we should set it. You know, a good example is a frog. You, you know, you, you, you fish, you fish, you fish, and you kind of get, uh, you lose that concentration. And you know on that frog, you have to let him take it under and keep it for a while. But if you're not mentally prepared and concentrating on what you're doing, it's real easy just to instinctively set the hook, and, and you're just not going to catch that fish that way. Well, that is for sure. And, you know, to take that a step further, just think about, you know, if you're constantly worried about the next place that you need to get to or and I I find this um, that there's a difference for me personally between like if I'm just out recreationally fishing or a day on the water just to go out and try something new versus a competitive situation. It goes back to what Randy Blockett said earlier in the year concerning that, you know, competitive fishing does have an impact on our nervous system. And, you know, being able to um, focus on the moment, you know, what Mike Iaconelli said time and time again, you've got to pay attention to what is going on right now. You can't be worrying about or thinking about the past or the future. What's going on right now? Take that information, make a decision, and move forward in confidence. Well, that, that, man, that's all so true. And uh, this is stuff that applies to life, your work, your studies, uh, Everything you do, man, and I tell you what, we're out, we're walking in pretty tall cotton today. Nick Saban and Dr. J. McNamara and Mike Iaconelli, man, I tell you, we're just uh, pretty lofty stuff today. It is pretty lofty stuff. And speaking of lofty stuff, we our next guest is actually going to be talking about we're, we're changing the tide. See, we're sticking with uh, roll tide here. The tide roll is tide, changing baby. because uh, we're going to be talking about falling water with Mark Lassane as it looks like he's ready to go. Why don't we take a quick break and uh, we'll go and join Mark on the other side. Power. Productivity. 
speed. It's the best trencher ever made, not to mention the best plow. Dumper, tiller, backhoe, stump grinder, and tool carrier ever made. The Zahn, the revolution is here. Finally, a safe and convenient way to access any trailer boat. Introducing the new Flex Step by MegaWare Keelguard. Forget climbing over the sides ever again. Mount a Flex Step on the side of your trailer for easy access to rod lockers and tackle compartments with no boarding. Or bolt the high quality aluminum Flex Step to your trailer's tongue and enter your craft without ever getting wet again. Completely flexible, great for cleaning windshields, and the hollow tube doubles as a storage area. Available at major marine centers or learn more via the web. Hey, Edge listeners, this is Shaw Grigsby, and thanks for listening to The Edge. Welcome back as we are heading to the west side to visit with an angler that makes his living competing and guiding, but is also publisher of the popular fishing magazine, The Bass Angler's Guide. From Northern California, it's Mark Lassane. Mark, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, Mark, you know, like most of us, you are literally obsessed, and that's probably an understatement with the sport. But when I consider the scope of your responsibilities and all the things that you have going on, how in the world do you manage to be effective in all that you do concerning fishing? Oh, good question. I, you know, I think it's like a 12-hour day, uh, <laughs> seven days a week job. You know, I just, I'll tell you what, I love bass fishing, and I, you know, I love to spread the word. I love to go. I love to compete. You know, I love to write. Um, you know, and, and if I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think I would be a, a success like I am. Well, absolutely. And, and obviously you do a very good job, but your career really places you, I guess, at an advantage given your on the water experience and also the information that really comes across your desk. Does that present any problems when it comes to, you know, making decisions as an individual angler when you're out on the water? You know, I think you need to look at it uh, somewhat like doc talk, uh, but maybe a little more uh, educated. You know, you take it all with a grain of salt, and you know, pick the pick the items that are good that you can really use out of each article, out of each topic, out of each experience, and you know, kind of mold those into uh, you know into what you're good at. To, to be able to use that on the water. So it's it's really about kind of making it your own, taking the information that's given to you, much like college, I guess, if you will. You know, you're presented with the facts, but then developing it into your own style. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, like some guys maybe are, are a, a really good swim bait fisherman, but, you know, that may be not another guy's strength. So you may look at his swim bait article and gain some things out of it, but maybe not be using a big giant swim bait, maybe take it to a different level and use a different bait, but maybe take the same uh, fish positioning uh, uh, aspect out of it. Well, Does and that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. And because, you know, I think as anglers, I think we're often challenged, you know, we talk a lot about, um, like you said, making it your own or managing towards your strengths. But then also it kind of comes into play, you know, in this day and age, um, the way that fish and, and bass are targeted, you know, on a I guess a wide scale, you know, you've almost got to um, be able to develop those weaknesses as well. 
Exactly. You know, my, my philosophy in, in fishing and, and riding is, you know, more often than not, just to be able to catch some fish and then also to try to uh, maybe not master every single technique, but to be uh, skillful at every almost every technique out there, you know, from, you know, drop shot and or shaky head all the way up to throwing a swim bait. And, you know, go out and experiment with each one of these to where, you know, at least you're proficient with that uh, with that uh, type of fishing. Sure, and you know, one topic I think that, um, and it's it's almost hard to conceive. I think as anglers, because we all know very much we have addictive personalities, and bass fishing is extremely addictive, and we. C- we really can't get enough of it when you think about it, but there is always the the thought I think that we we need to address and kind of resides in the back of our mind, much like anything else that we do in life, and that's the topic of burnout. How do you you know keep the sport interesting and fun and really avoid becoming complacent or you know literally burned out on it? Wow, that's a that's a great question. I often ask myself that same question. You know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, the people you associate with and your family, you know, support and, and talking to people that are upbeat and positive. Um, you know, I get emails and letters all the time from people that tell me, oh, you have a great magazine. You know, I love it. You have a lot of great articles. Um, you know, thanks for doing that. And, you know, even though it's maybe just a little simple email, I mean, that, you know, that kind of makes it all worthwhile. It's just, just somebody going, hey, great job, man. I, I really love what you're doing. And, you know, it kind of, it turns it all around, you know, and then also a good tournament finish, you know, it helps a lot. Um, you know, so you just try to pick the positive, positive, positives out of, uh, you know, what I'm doing. Well, sure. And, you know, Mark, the last several weeks we have talked a lot about rising water, just given the influx of rain, really, uh, at least in our part of the country. And, you know, now I want to kind of explore the opposite, because just like the saying is, you know, what goes up must come down. And with your experience on both tidal water and also on reservoirs, how do the two differ during falling water? And that's really where I would like to spend, you know, quite a bit of time getting your approach and your opinions on what you've seen. Sure. Well, uh, you know, here we've pretty much had falling water for the last couple of years. It's been uh, somewhat of a, a drought situation. But, you know, the, in, the, in the springtime every year, we have had a, a fair uh, amount of rain. So I can kind of go through maybe a little scenario of what, what happens and what, and what I've seen that the fish do here. Um, we could take some of our reservoirs, for example. When it, when it rains here in Northern California, what happens is it rains pretty hard. A lot of the water rushes down the hillside and down little creeks. And, and then up the rivers and so forth. And the fish, uh, predominantly spotted bass, but also smallmouth and largemouth, run right up into that moving water. So, and then they become uh, relatively easy to catch. So that's real, that can be really a great pattern here. Um, you know, so when it rains, you look for that water that's rushing in all those spots and, the, and those fish are up there, and you can catch them almost however you feel like catching them. Um, and then what happens slowly when, it, say, the rain stops, now the hillsides and the small creeks are going to be the ones that dry up first and then and then the rivers afterwards so if you're catching these fish on on when the water's coming in you need to remember that a lot of these spots are going to stop and then a river is going to be the last last place to stop uh fishing stop producing the fish um so then and then when the rain stops it's going to naturally uh the water's going to recede so when I kind of I kind of think of it, um, if you were say you were sitting in your house, okay, and the roof started to 
to come down lower and lower and lower. I mean, there's a point where you're not going to be comfortable in the room that you're in, and you're going to need to go move to a different room. And I think these fish are going to do the same exact thing. Uh, a lot of these fish, what I've found is that the ones are, that are inactive, say the ones that were back in the cove or in the creek, they're going to move down maybe in the little channel, and they're going to kind of hunker down the bottom, and they're, they're going to be relatively difficult to catch. Now, the ones that you will be able to catch are the ones that are going to move right out to the point and out to the sheer bluff walls close to those same areas where you caught them before. Um, and then also some of the fish are going to go out and suspend. So that, is, it, is it safe to say then that there's kind of a, a traffic way, if you will, of, of, you know, that they're basically just retreating on the same path that they took to get there? Yes. Yeah, I think I think just about all these fish have a like a highway or a roadway that that they generally follow, um, you know, from one point to another, and and you know I, I imagine that it changes from here or there, you know, especially depending on where the forage goes. But they'll have a little pathway that they'll go back and forth. Well, and do the the bait fish or the the prey in which um, you know they're feeding on do they follow these same you know patterns or or movements? Uh, that the bass are, and how critical is that to find the presence of, of the bait of which they're pursuing? You know, I, I think, well, especially in the fall, when the bait fish really school up, I think that's key to find the bait, you know, and then you find the fish. Uh, summertime also, you know, in in the winter, you'll find the fish deep, and then in the spring, you know, kind of. I think they all scatter out, and the fish are pretty much looking for the uh, place to spawn. So how do you determine, you, you more or less kind of um, alluded to three different places of, of which bass are going to move to during falling water conditions, you know, one obviously being on the bottom, dropping right off in the channel, the other being suspended and some out on the points. What are you using to actually put you in the right area? Is this electronics? Is this just past experience or kind of a combination of the both? Well, I would, for the fish, say, the fish that are down in the bottom of the channel, I'm going to use my electronics and I'm going to read the bottom and see where these fish are, what they're related to, um, and then also see if I can catch them. I'm going to uh, probably lower like a, a Texas rig worm down there, uh, or like a shaky head, um, you know, maybe like a, a Kaiser head, which is a, a wacky rig. Uh, and then also a drop shot. I'll, you know, I'll try to see if I can get these fish to bite because sometimes they'll move down the bottom of the channel when they're inactive, and there are certain periods of time when you can find that these fish will be active. So, you know, it doesn't take long. You see them on the meter, um, you know, and most of the fish just look like a little black line on the meter um, when they're on the bottom. They're not necessarily an arch. So you just kind of lower your, lower your bait, say a drop shot or a Texas rig worm, right down on them, shake them down there for about oh, 10 or 15 seconds and see if you can get something to happen. You know, they may or may not bite, um, you know, so, and if not, then, you know, we'll, we'll pull up and we'll try to fish for them a different way. And, uh, you know, there's some other ways I like to fish for them. Say they're, uh, if they're suspended, I'm going to use like maybe a 16th or 8th ounce dart head with a, a little twin tail smoke grub. And you know, I'll throw that out, throw that out, and I'll just kind of let that drift down through the water column all the way down to the bottom, and see, try that a few times and see if I can uh, make something happen. Also, a couple other ways to catch them is a, a senko. I mean, I, I fish a senko in, you know, 30 to 50 feet of water. You know, sometimes weighted, sometimes not. Um, you know, most time I'll throw a wacky rig, and I'll, I'll throw it out and just let it sink all the way down to the bottom. You know, try to go right through all the different uh, water columns, you know, the top and the center and all the way down to the bottom and see, you know, exactly where I can get these fish to bite. Now, 
granted, if I'm if I find fish, say in a certain water column, and then I'll use a bait that will necessarily target that water column. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. You know, you're more or less taking kind of the information that you're given uh, once you actually have a result, kind of going back to that overused adage of, uh, or cliche, I should say, of letting the fish tell you, you know, what what they want. And that's essentially what you're doing. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's that's why bass fishing is so great. It's, it's you know, you're always thinking, you're always trying something different, and it's the guy that puts that puzzle together as the one that wins, you know. Not necessarily wins a tournament, but he gets to catch fish and has that, you know, that great feeling, that sense of accomplishment. Well, that is for sure. And, you know, but backing up to something that you said earlier um, concerning, obviously, the creeks and the river arms, um, you know, receive the first I guess, influx of water, but they're also the first to realize, you know, when it starts to go down. Um, How do you make that kind of that determination, let's say if the water is still falling, of where you're going to check first and how much time to spend there? Well, I mean, hopefully I've spent some time on the water and I've seen where the fish are when the water was coming in. So if I did find that, um, I'm just going to basically just back off a little bit, a little bit deeper um, and, and see if I can figure those fish out there. Otherwise, I may run up the river, and you know, if you're early in the early in the year, uh, most of the rivers will have like a, a thermocline or a temperature barrier, which is really a, a, a neat deal. If you've never seen one uh, in Northern California, we have a lot of them because we have the snow melt running down, and then we have the rain coming in, the rivers wash down, and then they they kind of back up to the lake. And you'll find one area that's just filled full of debris, and then the bait fish get stacked up, and then the bass also get stacked up there. So that's a that's a neat place to try. So I would probably try some spots like that. And then now, if I know if I know the water's falling, I haven't I haven't been on the lake, and I just want to go catch some fish. I'm going to look for the, the most vertical structure that I can find. Um, you know, if you have a bridge piling, those are always good. Uh, a, a bluff wall. Um, you know, anything, some, you know, any kind of steep wall where you have, where the fish can rise and fall, uh, or the fish can move up and down with, without, uh, you know, with the water, water height that won't affect them too much. So essentially, you're, you're just kind of basically um, eliminating the fact of a fish needing to swim, uh, let's say, several hundred yards to find that desired depth or desired comfort. Rather, they can just move straight up and straight down uh, as the water falls. Sure, sure. And then now, if you know, take that that straight up and down the vertical structure. Now, if you can combine that with another piece of structure, it's better yet. Just like a, you know, if you have a straight, say you have a straight bluff wall, uh, you know, there'll probably be some fish on it. But if you move and there, say there's a rock slide down that rock wall, or it comes up to a point, or there's something a little different, the wind blows around it, you know, one corner, um, something like that. If you can get some structure that is combined together, um, that'll help you, you know, put some more fish in the boat. And then are you targeting um, for this type of structure, the, the vertical, and then also the combination of whether it be a point or some, some wind that's taking place? Are you using the same base that you described earlier? I am, you know, I am, and a lot of that is personal experience. Um, 
you know, like the tour guys just know, you know, I mean, if you could just like see the inner workings of, the, of their mind, you know, when they pull up to a spot, they'll look at it and they'll see the point, they'll see the deep structure, they'll see the little rock sliding and they'll see the way the wind is coming or the currents coming around and then they'll, you know, ascertain, you know, what's going on with the plankton and the bait fish and everything, get it all figured out, you know. Uh, but then, you know, there's a lot of guys that are just starting out that go out and go, oh, you know, well, here we are, the water's falling, what do we do? You know, so, you know, if you don't know what to do, um, you know, some baits that are really good, you know, like uh, a Texas rig worm is always good. And if you're fishing uh, like a vertical structure and you don't know what depth the fish are, like a real lightweight, you know, an 8-ounce, 16-ounce, um, you know, if the, if the structure, you don't have a lot of trees or a lot of thick rocks, you can use a, like a dart head or a shaky head uh, type. Uh, Senko also works great. You know, if you're fishing in the trees, uh, Texas rig works good. Um, if it's open structure, uh, wacky rig works good. So, uh, you know, what, what you want to look for, you know, for if you haven't been out there, you're, you're going to want to go hit this structure and you're going to want to have a bait that falls down through the water columns to be able to let you know where that fish is. You know, most of these baits are pretty high percentage where you're going to, you know, you're generally going to catch a fish on it. Maybe not a big giant one, but it's going to let you know that there's fish there and then what depth they are. And I'm sure it's probably um, very important to pay attention of, of when that fish actually strikes, you know, watching that line. And that's going to give you some feedback as well as far as where they're at in the water column. Sure. And, and, you know, and to back that up a little bit, you can also watch, you know, as your bait's falling, say you're throwing a, a dart head or a sink or whatever it may be, it's falling slowly through the water column. It gets down to about 10 feet and you see your line just jump. Well, you know that that fish is active and wanted to hit your bait. Okay, so now let's take it on the other scenario. If your bait falls down about 10 feet, all of a sudden it just feels a little bit mushy and it swims off to the side about 5 feet. Well, that fish wasn't quite as active. He won the bait, wasn't quite as active. So if you take scenario one, you may be able to take your three-quarter ounce spinner bait and take it and roll it down there in about 10 foot of water, uh, you know, rattle trap or a, a jerk bait, you know, get something else down there, and maybe you're going to be able to get some larger fish and more fish because you can work that, that water column where the fish are at uh, much faster. So it sounds like to me you're not just uh, relying on one bait. You're using more or less kind of these, um, I guess, finesse style or or slower falling baits to give you some feedback. Once you get that information, then you're going to more or less mix it up and really refine that, zone in on that particular water column and go after the active fish. Yes, yes, because now we're talking about falling water just like we talked about the roof coming in in your house. When it starts getting to a certain point, you're not very comfortable, so you need to leave and... And you can only imagine that if your roof is falling in your house, the, probably the last thing you're thinking about is food. Sure. You know, you're just worried about finding a, a place that's safe and sound and, you know, you can get squared away. And now, you know, now that we're squared away, okay, now I'm hungry, let's eat something. Um, so, you know, uh, so the fish, what I'm saying is that the fish are generally not going to be that active where you're not going to use a crankbait or spinnerbait as a search tool. You're going to use the finesse baits as a search tool and basically narrow down the areas that you're going to fish. So a lot of times you'll say you're using a crankbait or a spinnerbait as a search tool. You may just put the trolling motor on high and run down the bank and see, you know, where and when and you're going to catch a fish. 
um, you know, in this scenario, the water's falling, we're going to look for some vertical structure where where we think these fish are going to be, and we're going to figure out how deep they are. And then once we figure that out, how deep they are, and then some particulars about how to catch them, then we're going to target that water column with some different baits. Well, Mark, you certainly made that sound a lot easier than uh, the experiences that I've had. So I want to commend you on that and certainly appreciate that. But in closing, you know, one thing that I do want to uh, get to before we have to shut this down is the Bass Angler's Guide magazine. It's it's really all about education. And for our listeners, you know, not currently subscribed, give me a snapshot of a, of a normal issue and then also how, how we can be added to the list. Okay. Great, great. Well, you know what? We are a, a grassroots-type magazine. With that saying that, you know, all of my writers are uh, anglers. They're all bass fishermen. So, you know, and they're not professional writers for the most part. I have a few, but, but mostly they're just anglers submitting a good story. So you're getting that information firsthand from them about how they catch fish. So that's, you know, that's pretty much the, the just of the magazine. Uh, in addition, you know, we have a really low ad percentage. Um, I don't believe in just filling it up full of ads. I like to have a lot of content, a lot of articles. Each one has 30 or more articles in it, and several of the editions have had 40. So I think we can give, we give the anglers uh, so much more than they could get, you know, from you know, I think any other one source. And uh, a lot of what we do is technique-driven and also some seasonal stuff. You know, we're a West Coast-based or West Coast based magazine. So, you know, maybe we're a little biased towards the West Coast. We have a few destination stuff. I also have uh, tournament information for the West Coast schedules. But, but the other information that we have in there, I think it's good for any angler worldwide. You know, that's why I published 30 articles in there. Is so a guy can pick it up, and it doesn't matter if he's in Mexico, Florida, uh, New York, or Australia. You know, he can look at it and go, oh, I could use that. You know, I have tried that, or that's how you do that. You know, I try to give every angler, you know, from the guy just starting out all the way up to the pro, you know, there's some information in there that is useful to help them catch more fish. Well, and then you hit the nail on the head. That's what uh, really what it's about is is information and then being able to make decisions based upon the information that we're giving. Um, what about as far as uh, website? Uh, how can How can our anglers find out more information and get signed up? Well, we do have a website. It's uh, BassAnglersGuide.com, and you can go right on there, right? Subscribe right on there. And then uh, for your readers or your listeners, if uh, if they like to subscribe, I can give you a code that will give them a discount. Uh, The normal price is twenty four dollars for the year, and there's four issues. If they enter the code two zero zero nine three into the coupon box when they're checking out, it'll give them uh, a discount and make it nineteen ninety five a year. Well, there you go. I appreciate that. We're all about saving money and discounts, especially in this type of economy. So 20093, and you can save yourself money. Mark, unfortunately, I owe us a break. But before we head out, thanks for being part of The Edge, and I am certainly looking forward to our next visit. All right. Thank you. I had a great time.
Now you can order Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing is host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Edwin Evers, Boyd Duckett, Alton Jones, and Pam Martin-Wells. The two sets include all 25 episodes with never-before-seen footage, over three hours of bonus pro angler interviews, bloopers, and highlights. Each two-disc set is just $19.95. Call 1-888-390-8780 or order online at BassEdge.com. Great to hear Mark talk about fishing and falling water because there's sure plenty of that going on around the country right now. Boy, that is for sure. And, you know, from his perspective, like uh, I, I really chuckled when he said, you know, that's been happening to him the last several years out there. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed Mark's insight because not only is he, you know, the traditional competitive angler like we have on here, but, you know, also being a guide and then uh, the publisher of uh of the bass anglers guide you know he has a lot of information that he has access to and um, certainly i know i'm going to be able to take away from that and use that on the water myself yeah well we appreciate uh, mark being with us but uh aaron we have a question this week all the way from australia i think that's a first for us i believe it is and it's our first question from down under and the question is about fishing in exotic places and since you've fished in Mexico, Africa, Canada, and uh, God only knows how many other places, Steve, I'm actually going to let you answer this. But the question is, hello to all at Bass Edge. I am an avid podcast listener. And being that I am currently living overseas, the show means a lot to me when I get homesick. Last year, I had the opportunity to fish at El Salto. This year, I will be returning again. While I had a great trip last year, I really want to be dialed in this year. I've been listening to the Bass Edge podcast, and I have taken to heart getting prepared with research, maps, lake conditions, and water temperatures, etc. My question is, how do you prepare for exotic locations where maps are limited and the weather stays relatively the same throughout the year so there isn't a major seasonal pattern? And this comes from Cisco in Dremoyne, Australia. I believe I said that right, Steve. I be- I'm, I'm guessing you did. You know, that's why I gave you the question. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, God, it's great to hear from Cisco. And uh, I don't know if they have any bad fishing down there or not, but uh, I'd be interested in hearing from, from, from Cisco. But that's very exciting going back to Mexico. and uh, it's, it's a great place to fish. And, and I want to start, uh, and I know, Cisco, that you – you know, you've done this, so I'm going to repeat some stuff that you probably have, have dealt with before, but just for all of our listeners in general about traveling to exotic places. And I think uh, the key word there is preparation. And at the top of that list is be prepared to take care of yourself. Uh, you know, you can call the state, you know, you can get on the State Department uh, or the CDC uh, websites and find out what kind of inoculations you need to go into a certain area. And that changes from years to, from, from year to year and actually month to month. So uh, make sure that you, you, know, you get the shots you need to go down there to stay healthy, to, to, to feel good and enjoy your trip. Take your, uh, I think everybody that's uh, been to Mexico understands what I mean by Montezuma's Revenge. So, uh, you know, you take your, uh, take your modium and uh, your sunscreen and take good care of yourself and, uh, uh, just make sure you understand uh, uh, all the, you know, we need a passport now to go to Mexico, which we didn't used to need. So uh, 
So take care of all that. Take care of yourself first. But, uh, you know, as far as getting dialed in, Cisco, I, I think that uh, it's going to be actually difficult to get as dialed in as 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 you can on some lakes because, like you said, uh, there's not a great deal of maps and research available. Uh, so what you have to do is to try to prepare yourself to be as flexible as you can. Uh, try to be prepared to fish in all kinds of depths of water, uh, you know, a little bit of everything, considering it's limited what you can take with you. And uh, you mentioned that there's not much of a seasonal pattern, but actually in Mexico there are seasonal patterns. They have more to do with the rainy season versus the dry season, and that has to do with water levels, and that can change uh, a great deal. But it's like, it's sort of like structure. You know, we here in the Ozarks we have some cliffs that drop off 70 feet, but in some shallower lakes, sometimes just a 6-inch or uh, a foot different in structure will will make a difference in uh, in what the fish relate to, and I think that's the, can be true in the tropics. Uh, the temperatures don't change as much, but it doesn't take as much to change the fish. So, uh, so I, I would say uh, be prepared. Uh, look at look at the uh, reports and chat rooms from other Mexico lakes to just get some general ideas of the possibilities of things that you could be fishing with down there. But really. It comes down to adjusting on the water, and there's nobody better than that than Mr. Aaron Martin himself. So, Aaron, I'd like to hear you just speak briefly about uh, uh, getting dialed in on the water on a new lake uh, when you don't have a lot of preparation. Well, I certainly appreciate those kind words, um, Steve, and I think a lot of what you said, you know, just to reiterate, you know, there are seasonal patterns that's going to be taking place, and I think, um, you know, if you look at some of our southern climates, even here in the states, whether it be Florida, Texas, you know, where it stays predominantly warm throughout the course of the year, those bass do still move, and they still have to spawn, they still have to, so I'm not sure what time of year we're actually talking about here, but bait presence is always the key. You, you know, if you have a boat that is equipped down on El Salto, El Salto with electronics, um, you know, certainly finding those bait, noticing that bait on the electronics or even on the surface, that's going to be a big key of where you might be able to find bass. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you you do actually have some past experience with you being down there last year. So if you can remember back, and this goes back to something else concerning keeping logs or keeping track of that information. If you didn't do that last year, that's fine. But maybe sit down with a notebook and write down as many uh, pieces of information that you remember and things that were going on. That way, as you are faced with those conditions when you arrive, you can remember, ah, this is what I did last year. Did it work or did it not work? If it didn't work, then obviously you know to try something different. Don't repeat the same behavior. If it did work, then that's going to you know, kind of tip you off uh, moving forward. Also concerning uh, the chat rooms, what Steve had brought up, there are a lot of anglers from all over that go down to Mexico and also some of these other exotic locations that um, that you're going to be fishing. And I suggest maybe going out to like the Big Bass Tour uh, Forum, Bass East, Western Bass, or Texas Fishing Forum, and actually making a specific 
post on the information that you're looking for. In other words, hey, what's going on down there? Has anybody been out on this lake, you know, for this time of year? Or I'm going down, you know, this month. What can I expect? What's going on? And there is no better information than getting it from anglers that have experience right then and there during the time of which you're going down. They're going to be able to put a lot of those pieces of the puzzle together that maybe you currently have holes kind of in your plan. But finally, you know, remember our earlier con- uh, conversation and discussion on perseverance. Once you have done your homework, which is which it sounds like you have, and you're going to be kind of piecing in those uh, those remaining uh, parts that are missing, you know, the rest is is for you to experience. And that's where the fun comes in. So don't get too caught up in the fact that you've got to have all of this planned out because it's going to come together. I've seen it too many times and times when I've hit the boat ramp thinking that some, you know, one particular pattern is going to be working. I've struck out on that, but because I've been able to um, be versatile and adjust on the water, then it's amazing when you look back and the results at the end of the day. Well, Aaron, this whole conversation, uh, it just sort of reminds me that, uh, I need to, uh, uh, go down to uh, Mexico on the Bad Sage Expense account to, to, to be more, to research and be more prepared for these questions in the future. Exactly, and, and to kind of further <laughs> this experience that we're talking about, right? right? So but. That's right, that's right. Hey, I want Cisco to email us back. I want if there's bass in Australia. I'd, I'd just be curious if he gets to do any bass fishing down there. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, and speaking of experience, um, Steve, I just want to tell you kind of good luck with the table cloths and uh, make sure you put me on the list for a few raffle tickets. And I tell you what, I promise if I win, we'll auction one off on eBay. How does that sound? Well, that sounds great. And uh, I've already spoken for you about $100 worth of raffle. <laughs> okay, thanks. So uh-uh. you're get the pony up on that deal. All right. Well, if your Christmas card's a little short this year, you'll know where that went. But uh, <laughs> no, seriously, though, as yeah, always. My bass edge bonus, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> I've been sweating that one out, you know. <laughs> uh, ex- exactly, exactly. You 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 better be sweating that one out. But no, in all seriousness, though, it it, it has been fun. And don't forget to head over to BassEdge.com to sign up for some more great prizes and the latest tips. Also, check out Bass Edge TV on the World Fishing Network each and every day. Have a great week, and for Steve Brigman and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. Bass Edge has been brought to you in part by Ditch Witch, Mega Air Keel Guard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Super Start Batteries, Mother's Polishes, Waxes and Cleaners, and Legend Boats. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.